and this car pulls up next to us and the guy in the passenger seat just takes a gun out of the glove box and just lays it on the on the, the dashboard. And so we're like, all right, that's our cue to get the fuck out of here. I remember there was a period of like, I don't know, three years or something where I didn't do any graffiti at all. I had really no involvement in the culture and I was just focusing on my career. But anytime I was on the freeway, I was always scoping out spots. Welcome to episode 12 of Toy Division. This is an episode interviewing someone from the USA. Check us out on Instagram, toydivision underscore podcast. If you're finding some value in these episodes that I'm putting out, give us a five-star review, subscribe, share with your mates. This one was recorded when there was still a bit more lockdown COVID-wise. Anyway, enjoy. So yeah, let's get let's get into it. So, how are you, mate? How how are things? Good, man. You know, just uh, dealing with this whole lockdown thing. I don't know how it is over there, but we're doing business really weird over here. Kind of curbside pickup stuff. So it's a it's an adjustment, but we're actually doing really well, all things considered. Because it seems like. Uh, the streets being a little more empty are enticing a lot more people to get out there, you know, more than normal. So since we have a graffiti supply shop that it's keeping us really busy, all things, uh, all things considered, you know? Yeah. I was talking to someone the other day and, you know, it's kind of, obviously it's a horrible situation and the complexity of it is we could go you know that's a whole other <laughs> long long conversation because it's it's a you know the amount of times i've heard unprecedented said but yeah i was talking to a friend and he was saying so for the first time you can be on the streets it will be really quiet you can have some sort of mask on and gloves on and you will look pretty normal like yeah yeah but then I suppose it's that thing of why are you out at... So here in Australia, the lockdown as such is easing up, but you've still got it where you can just get pulled over by the police and they'll be like, why are you out at three in the morning? You have no reason to be out at all. So, oh, yeah. You know, but then the police like to do that. <laughs> That's like pretending yeah. that before lockdown, the police wouldn't just randomly pull you over and be like, what the hell are you doing here at 3 a.m. anyway? So, oh, yeah, I'm not under that illusion. Yeah, that's true. OK, so let's jump into these questions. You know, I think I've I, I've kind of like a broken record on it that I'm like, oh, these are a bit cheesy, but I'm, I'm really finding them a, a good springboard to discuss graffiti stuff. Because otherwise, you know, we always end up going off on tangents anyway. So anyway, okay. So can you remember, if possible, how you got your first ever can of spray paint? Yeah, I um, it, I was thinking about this question um, when, you, uh, when I checked out your podcast. And uh, my first can of spray paint, I technically did graffiti with it, but it was before I was a graffiti writer. I stole a can of... Uh, of this fluorescent orange paint that my dad used to his, he was getting his tools stolen all the time or they were getting mixed up with other people's tools so he would spray paint this fluorescent orange shit on on the on his so he could identify his 
So a buddy of mine, it was probably like, I don't know, 1985 or something. I was a skater and we, we stole a can and went to the local wash and just drew all this terrible, you know, skateboarding logos and stuff. Um, as far as like my first can, when I became a graph writer, I, I honestly, I have zero memory of that, but I, I just vividly remember that stealing that can of orange paint and, and spray painting the wash back then for some reason. Can you remember what brand it was? I, I honestly don't know. I kind of think it was, um, it might've been a Krylon or a Rust-Oleum, uh, some kind of industrial fluorescent or something like that. I can't, I can't remember. Cause those two brands, I mean, not coming from the U S myself when I was first exposed, well, maybe not say exposed, but introduced to style wars. I remember oh, yeah. my friend and I, we, we didn't really know what, I keep talking about this friend. It was like the first person I ever started painting with. And we heard about Rusto and Krylon. They're like, what are these things? And then I think, oh, yeah. I think my friend, he went to the US and he brought back an old can of Rusto with the, is the, char the characters called the Scotty character, like a Scottish guy on the can. Yeah. And we were just yeah. amazed. We're like, oh, so this is what is in style. I don't know where he got that from. Because I've then come to learn that, you know, this was the late 90s and finding one of those Scotty cans, I was like, where the hell? It's like, oh, we're just on holiday in the in America and we're just in this random town and I found one and I thought that, that would have been a... Have you ever seen the guys that have done that book, Caps Matches, or yeah. Cap Matches Colours? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they just go around the US basically just going to really old hardware stores and finding really old paint cans. Yeah, they're um, definitely hard to find. I think I have one, but it wasn't one that I found on my own. I think I got it from from a friend of mine. Um, there was at one point, uh, you know who Roger Gassman is? He curated the- Yes, indeed, yeah. Curated a whole whole bunch of stuff. He, he's mm -hmm. an old friend of mine from the 90s. And uh, he, I can't remember if we traded or if he sold me a bunch of old cans that he had from his collection. So I got a bunch of discontinued Krylon colors and um, I'm pretty sure I'll have to dig around. I have a bin full of old, old uh, paint that I, that I kept, but I have one, I think I have one of those, uh, those Scotty character. I, I think it's called Scotty. I don't even know, <laughs> but they're really cool looking. But I've never seen one just sitting on a shelf anywhere ever. Even even in the early '90s, I never saw one. And I'm pretty sure, quite recently, someone I'm can't, I don't know which ride it was. They put out like a jacket or something, or a t-shirt. No, it's definitely been a t-shirt, but like a jacket with the Scotty character on the back. I don't know if it was Cess or someone like that. And I remember seeing it and. Even though I've got no connection with those old Rustos, I was like, I want to buy that. I want to buy that. And I was like, oh no, I've got to pay my rent instead. That's probably more important. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. I, I keep doing things like that at the moment. A British writer by the name of Oker, O-K-E-R, in the last few weeks put out a really interesting kind of... So instead of a book, it's essentially reprints of his original kind of um, printout flicks put into like a photo album as such. And then he's done a tag <clears throat> on the front and they're like really 
kind of amazing commuter um, and commuter trains from the UK and they're very original. So he's actually then scratched out the person's faces in the photos. So it's almost like it's actually a photo album from the 90s and like the whole cars are made up of three or four photos stuck together. Um, oh, cool. And I was like, oh yeah, I've got to get it. And then my, I showed it to my girlfriend and she's like, uh, do you really need to buy another graffiti thing? And I went, oh, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. And then I missed yeah, it. And, it and then the next day I realized it was a run of 50 limited. So I've, I've actually messaged them and said, uh, when's the next When's the next lot coming out? Because I was like, no, I should have got it. I've missed out. I needed to see those flicks. Yeah, that's uh, that's crazy how, how that stuff works out. Yeah. You just end up, it's such a, yeah, it's a very expensive hobby at times. It's hard to not buy stuff like that for sure. For many, many, for many reasons, not just buying things, but also having to pay goodness knows what after the fact, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So that yeah. fluorescent, you say it was a fluorescent orange. So that sounds, yeah. I bet that was really, um, <laughs> I bet that it was ugly. Come. It was really, because yeah, really from what I know, fluorescent paint, even now, you know, I've got a mate who's like, now nah, you need to do like a, like a fill underneath to then put the fluorescent over the top because. Yeah, it's not exactly the thickest paint. Yeah, and I, I mean, it actually covered, I mean, we didn't do any kind of fill-ins or anything. It was just like outlines of, uh, I can't even remember. It was like, there was different uh, skateboard brands back there. I don't know. I don't know if the they're the same. Like we had like independent trucks and I think we did like an yep. independent logo. Really terrible. And then the Ratbones. Uh, yeah, yeah character and i think we did like the oj was an oj wheels or something like that mm -hmm. um and uh <clears throat> so they were just really terrible scratchy stock tip like outline things but i feel like it was rust-oleum because like when i picture the the can it had this green part on the bottom of the label and i think the I think the, the the current version of uh, of Rust-Oleum fluorescent paint still has that, so I don't know. I know the paint back then was a little better than the the current uh, version of, uh, of of at least those brands. They've all at least Krylon has really gone down. Krylon is like nobody uses it anymore, but in the mid '90s, the formula changed to where it was a little more watery than it was before and and then it just continued to go downhill rust-oleum has stayed fairly consistent but i'm pretty sure they've they've changed their formula throughout the years too correct me if i'm wrong though i've seen photos of rust-oleum in supermarkets in the u.s where they're super cheap now like rustos you can get for like I don't know, three, four dollars, and it's just like super cheap. Is that is that right? Yeah, that... yeah. There's a. Do you guys have Home Depot out there? No, don't. A... No, there's not no. one in Australia. No. The it's like a just like a hardware chain, and they they have um. I think they have Rust Oleum for like three ninety eight plus tax, so it ends up being four thirty something or something along those lines. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it's a uh, still. Still pretty cheap. I mean, I still really like. I have to be honest. I kind of prefer using that over all the the fancy paint. Still, I don't know. There's just still something about it that I like. I mean, I, I use all the the paints because I I have this business that I I sell it. So I need to be able to talk about 
<laughs> all the different pros and cons of the brands. But like for my money, I'm not I'm not really trying to use like seven fifty a can paint. You know, it mm -hmm. just it kind of uh, just <laughs> I don't know. I remember back in the in the nineties, we would get Krylon was two fifty a can, so it was. It was uh, seeing cans for like seven fifty to ten bucks a can at some places just it's crazy to me. And I think you might have if you've listened to any of these other episodes, I always make the joke, well if you're buying your paint, well you ain't know it. You know, I've actually I've been having jokes with this for quite a long time with some friends, like, yeah, if you don't if you don't rack your paint then pff, might as well give up, mate. What's the point? Because if, yeah. if you ain't racking your paint in your mid to late thirties, early forties, then <laughs> what was what was the point? Yeah. All that stuff you've done, mate. You're a toy. Get out of here. Yeah. Toy. I saw a review actually on a different subject, but just the comment on so the, the my life in letters podcast. I've enjoyed listening to that, and there was like the nice review left by someone. Nice review, and then someone just left toy. You're like, yes. Yeah. Thanks for that input. <laughs> thanks, thanks, random dude very thoughtful uh <laughs> feedback from from uh whatever because <laughs> rust yeah. him here or was it krylon my fr i think it was i think it was rusto maybe it was krylon anyway my friend's um ex-wife had a friend who worked at one of those companies and just got he just got given a palette of um remember but the basically the top had been turned into like this trigger sort of thing so it was almost like you can't change the caps it was just oh like, yeah i've seen those and it was again free paint if it's free great but it was just painful to use and I, i've often thought you know a lot of these brands you know like uh belton aka molotov um I know Montana was specifically made for painting, but you know, a brand like Molotow or Belton, they adjusted, because that was old car paint. That was like the Raoul car paint. And they've adjusted their product to meet the market and obviously made a lot of money out of it. I always, I've always wondered why didn't Krylon and Rust-Oleum do the same? Yeah, I actually wonder the same. Um, it's, I've had conversations with people and we actually started our own line of uh, American-made paint here. Mm -hmm. We're dealing with some manufacturing issues, but we've been doing it for a few years. It's called street paint and uh, we only make black and white. Well, we made black and white. We're in this weird thing with the manufacturer, so we don't currently have any, but I had considered, because I also sell um, Rust-Oleum here at, at my shop and I, I've been half tempted to try to get a conversation going with them and be like you know would you consider putting out an, an art you know quote artists version of, of spray paint and kind of feed them some of that information like with the valve system and but then part of me is kind of like I don't know if I want to do that or not you know I, but I mean, shit, they would, they would, um, I would think they would make a lot of money because there's still a lot of people very loyal to the, to the brand. I mean, I'll be honest, if I found just randomly somewhere, a can that was like, I don't know if you've ever seen, um, cause I think they only sell it in the U S now, the Iron Lack Yardmaster brand. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like that retro sort of character. It, it kind of looks like something like old Krylon or old Rusto. Um, and I love that. I bought loads of those before they decided, oh, Australia, even though it's an Australian brand, we're not going to do Yardmaster there. Anyway, that's another story. But if I saw a can in the store and it looked like one of the old Rustos, and it was, even if it was just like a basic sort of can that was fairly reliable, I'd buy it. So I'd be like, yeah. oh, oh, sweet, yeah, oh, cool, yeah, Rusto. And and if anyone from Rusto ever listens to this, which they probably won't, because the uh, graffiti's dirty, <laughs> put the Scotty character on it. I'm, I'm, I'm bought. I'm in. But that's interesting that you've created your own brand, and it's at the moment it's just black and white. I've, yeah, I mean, at the moment we have zero cans. Well, I have my own personal stash of them, but we <laughs> we don't have any. Um, we don't have any. I I was. I mean, it was. Uh, it was around 2014 that I was, I was like, why is there no American brands? And I assumed that it was because it was too expensive and it was, it was too much of a pain in the ass. I mean, you, my understanding, you could, um, you, you could find um, manufacturers in China that basically have quote graffiti paint and all different um, levels of quality. And you can pretty much get, you know, graffiti paint that's already formulated and everything. But I became pretty interested in trying to trying to pick up some of that, you know, I, I guess, I don't know what the right, like hometown loyalty that people seem to have for, for using Rust-Oleum and Krylon. And I was like, well, if yeah. somebody could make an American-made brand, then maybe we could pick up on some of that loyalty made by writers, made for writers, made here in America. And, um it turned out to be a huge pain in the ass i mean it's we're, we're still working on it to i mean we put it out there and it was a really good product and, and we have like a good sort of cult following and now that we've run out i'm getting messages every day people asking when we're going to get it back so i'm trying to get in touch with the manufacturer but i'm assuming because of this whole bullshit that's happening um this it, it may be a while before we get it back again but um how dare a worldwide pandemic, ha, pandemic, a worldwide yeah. pandemic get in, get in the way of get in, us get in the way accessing, of... Pain, accessing pain. How dare you? Yeah, no, I've been getting a lot of that. Like with the, um, some of our shipments get delayed and these people are all pissed at me. And I'm like, dude, I didn't create a fucking worldwide pandemic, man. There's, what do you want me to do? It's not, <laughs> the usual ex it's not the usual excuse. Yeah, your um, yeah. your cans of white and black aren't in, so you can't do dusty fill and solid outline um, throw ups. Um, uh, why? Uh, there's a worldwide global pandemic never seen within about the last hundred years, depending on which media yeah. outlet you look at. It's like, oh, all right, yeah. yeah, fair enough. Okay, all yeah. right. So, um, so you've talked about that first fluorescent can of orange which sounds delightful um yeah what time of day and place did you do your first ever piece so you know short for masterpiece for anyone that doesn't know what a piece is um i was trying to remember this i mean it would have been in one and two one of a couple of places and both of them were a wash like a just some uh there was this one wash so what was, does a wash wash mean? If you don't mind me asking, just the terminology. Oh yeah, it's like um, it, not not like a sewer runoff, but I'm pretty sure they're used for when like water overflows from gutters and stuff, and what, and what so they, there's what they might call in Australia like a a drain, so like a water drain sort of 
spot. Yeah, yeah, something like that. I'm assuming it's like where the where the water from from you know the drains correct ends up. Um, right. And yep. so there's uh, there's just a you know obviously they're all over the place and there was just this one that um, was in a parking lot that you sort of just hopped a fence and and kind of went under there um, and uh, we I mean. I don't know. I was awful at the time, so I, mean, was, I can't remember what the piece looked like, but I'm sure it was just terrible. The, um, but it would have been in the daytime. It definitely would have been in the daytime, probably. No one I've interviewed yet has said, yeah, I did this first thing and it was a fucking burner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like, it was awful. I had no idea what I was doing. And I just think, you know, I remember doing mine and just being so embarrassed because there was another guy next to me that just, I don't even think he'd ever done a sketch. Well, I bet he did secretly, but he dropped this piece. And I looked at it the other day. I've got, still got flicks of it. Because we just, we just did it in the middle of the day. Really sunny day. Very on view to virtually everyone. So it was just like, yeah. Okay, so now this is, this is where I find it interesting because we're talking about... A, I think you're the first person not from Australia or the UK. Although I interviewed someone from France yesterday. But um, oh, cool. What's the first word, tag, symbol that you remember noticing? Uh, yeah, there's this one. Um, like I was born in the, I guess nobody would know. It's uh, in the valley, and it's like um, outside of outside of Los Angeles, and then ended up moving further north to a suburb and uh when i was five and <clears throat> i just had this memory of i mean it has to have been a graffiti piece and i, I couldn't really describe it to you but i because i was you know probably five or six when i first saw it but i remember seeing it for i feel like it was a number of years and it was um it was like this freeway interchange is sort of curved around and then there was a an overpass with you know a nice flat wall that was just facing that part where you curve around and i remember there was this this graffiti thing there that was full color and they filled the whole space and it was all this i just remember this sort of motion to it and um i remember looking at it every time we passed through that area and um and then one day it was just gone but I mean, I, I wish I, it didn't, obviously it never would have occurred to me, but I, like still to this day, I really wish there was a photograph of it so that I would know what the hell it looked like. But I remember being really affected by just the the movement. I think it was a character or something. I just remember there was like this cool, I mean, I wish I could describe it better, but it's just like a, <laughs> it sounds like weird, it's quite, it sounds like it's quite, even though you can't necessarily depict it in a very sequential sort of manner, it sounds like in your younger mind, it really made an impact and you were like, wow, what's that? Well, how, how that's, yeah. that's not what I'm used to seeing on these walls where it's just like blank, 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 massive load of color, character. You're like, whoa, what is that? Yeah, it definitely had an impact. And I remember that I still can remember the feeling of disappointment when when we were driving past that spot 
and I looked up at the wall to look at that thing and it was gone. Like I, I still remember what that felt like. And I probably could have probably was like seven years old or something. So even though I can't remember what it looked like, I mean, it really planted a seed, you know, I didn't really learn what graffiti was until probably like close to a decade later. But, um, you know, I was into art and drawing and stuff like that, but seeing, seeing that thing just, just there and there was something about it that even as a kid like i kind of knew that it wasn't supposed to be there you know it was just like somebody just went up and did that you know it's it interesting I, I really totally wish I, I had a picture of it or just even a, a good memory in my mind of what it actually looked like well, so i'm I'm curious if it was graffiti i mean I, i'm assuming it was but well what i've heard is <clears throat> on some podcasts people depict certain pieces and then what happens is someone that hears the podcast knows what they're talking about and then sends in a flick. And I know yeah, that we haven't well, depicted it very well, but imagine that it's like popped up and I just message you, hey, is this it? And you're like, oh my goodness me. <laughs> that is it. That would be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I'd so be we, very surprised. It yeah. must have been like 1979 or something yeah. like that. I so you've described it as 1979, kind of like a, a kind of a roadside piece in the LA area, that could be one of thousands <laughs> with a character and some colors. That yeah. could be one of thousands, but you never know. We're putting it out to the universe and the universe might send something back. Yeah, possibly. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is where it gets, it can be amusing, um, funny. Um, I guess, you know, the difference with this is that I find the embarrassing stories and I've been quite honest and open about embarrassing stories. So I was talking to someone yesterday saying, I reckon over these, you know, however many episodes you do of this, I reckon you're just gradually disclosing your whole life story through it as the person that's narrating or presenting. I'm like, yeah, I reckon that's going to happen. But anyway, so when you were, you know, you know, learning about graffiti, just becoming familiar with it, is there anything like, a, you know, it can be a single story, a collection of stories um, where you look back and you think, what on earth was I doing? Honestly, like most of my graffiti, graffiti career, I probably look back on like that. I mean, I, I don't, I can't think, I tried to think of some that were interesting enough to discuss, but I just know that there was, I don't know, not really funny, but in terms of just, just the way that I carried myself is kind of embarrassing. Just, um, know, this one's kind of difficult for me. Um, so when you yeah, say I mean, when you say how you carried yourself, was that that you were like, I'm I'm a writer, I'm 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 a tough guy, I move around, or were you the opposite? Were you quite like timid and you know, how, no, how would you say that? Well, I think that's probably kind of part of it, which was um my true nature was more of a timid, laid back kind of guy, but like you're kind of thrown into this into this culture where, you know, people are fighting over shit like somebody went over your piece and, and you're getting all this kind of, um, you know, you're just seeing, getting all this sort of influence to act a certain way. And I just remember there was a lot of like, I, I can't really pinpoint too many, um, too many specific stories per se, but, uh, you know, it was just, I just remember just putting on this, this sort of act that, that wasn't, um, authentic to who I was, you know, and 
as far as like graffiti and and doing like you know the racking and and bombing freeways and all that shit like I, I still have no issue with any of those things that I did but it was just sort of like personality wise I kind of wish that I knew um you know I wish I was a little more aware of um you don't really have to fit into some stupid mold that that people think you're supposed to be um but I know that's not the, the most uh, entertaining but I uh, think it's a discussion very... but but I think that's a very important thing because I went through an ex not an exactly the same thing, but I I grew up as a very timid, quiet person and I got into graffiti and it, it almost just was a catalyst to act very, very differently. Just, you know, the times of getting like robbed for the first time or getting into grief with people over graffiti. And I was like, I need to, I need to be tougher and i'm doing like the air quotes i need to be tougher and not let people walk all over me but actually that just caused more drama and you know i was thinking as you were saying it i was just thinking yeah i think it's probably quite a common thing because correct me if i'm wrong the la scene as well the la graph scene it ain't no joke it's not like because from what i had an understanding is that you had the like hip-hop graffiti but then you also had a lot of kind of actual specific gang graffiti so it was not sure. there was a lot of and i mean i'm only taking this from reading things and listening to things but it sounds like it was a pretty hectic scene to be part of yeah it really was and so like actually you know now that you're bringing that up i kind of feel like maybe you know um although there are some times when when i feel like when i'm maybe reflecting to where how I acted among my peers was a little out of character but at the same time maybe that it was somewhat beneficial to kind of get that sort of thicker th thicker skin because although I wasn't really like into any of that violence and and all that kind of stuff the paths that a lot of people go down there was a tremendous amount of um of shit going on in the 90s and, and so I started writing in 91 and I really got into the real LA scene around 93 and I think it was 94 or 95 um, <clears throat> the Mexican Mafia put out and, and it, I'm not going to claim to be super knowledgeable about how gangs work but my understanding is the the Mexican Mafia controls all of the uh, the gangs under the or not all of them but they control a lot of the gangs in LA or uh, fuck I think I'm probably they control a lot of shit. Let's just say, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about to a certain degree, but um, so what they did was they put put out a green light on taggers. So around- I have, heard, I have, I think, heard, I have heard that. That sounds, I'll be honest, not to swear too much, but that sounds fucking terrifying. Yeah, it was insane. It was the craziest thing ever. Like you're, you're talking like we would be out in, um, you know, some, some pretty rough neighborhoods, which, which is where you know graffiti thrives the most i'm sure that's the same all over the world but and so you're in these neighborhoods and um and then we would be getting chased out of neighborhoods by by gangbangers and there's a lot of a lot of incidents where we would be painting a spot and you just hear somebody like hey what you doing in my neighborhood you know and you just fucking get the fuck out of there you know or anytime Lost. you see anybody that looks anything like a anything like a gangster you just 
you just clear out because you know we were getting chased there was all these like high speed chases with in cars and shit it was one time i was um i was out in south central and we were going to pick up uh have you heard of t lokes from tko tumor yeah 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 yeah. he's in the um what's that documentary it's a roger gassman one uh yeah yeah, infamy yeah uh yeah so he comes comes across as an amazing character in that um that thing and that production he does and he's talking about putting his hands on the the la police cop car and i was just like that's I kind of knew a little bit about the LA scene, but then I was watching that and I was thinking, yeah, that's a little bit different than the small town on the outskirts of London in which I grew up in. But anyway, sorry, carry on. No, that's cool. Uh, but yeah, there was one time that was, uh, I think it was me and uh, GK from AWR MSK. We were, um, we were going out to pick him up and, um, and this car pulls up next to us and the guy in the passenger seat just takes a gun out of the glove box and just lays it on the on the the dashboard and so we're like all right that's our cue to get the fuck out of here so we just we just gunned it and it got got into this crazy like 45 minute chase throughout the streets of this car full of gangsters chasing us out of a neighborhood it was that was somewhat common uh somewhat of a common thing to happen around those times. I mean, luckily nothing really bad happened to me. And I, I, um, there's a lot of graffiti writers and graffiti crews that, that sort of transitioned into, into that lifestyle and and even ended up turning into gangs. Like, so the, there's, you know, a lot worse could have happened for me for sure. But yeah, like you said, it, it, it definitely was a, um, pretty crazy time for graffiti back then and then there was tag banger crews that were basically gangs but they were graffiti writers because that's what the media then jumped onto wasn't it that in correct me if i'm wrong again this is just you know growing up in a quite suburban part of england obviously knowing about la but you know it was that the media in the u.s jumped onto the idea that everyone that did graffiti had a was like in a gang basically and that that was then seen as like they didn't really they weren't able to kind of differentiate between you know letter hip-hop style graffiti and like tag tag bangers i've heard that um that term before yeah there was a a special it was like um this tv special that came out where they um where they basically highlighted that that part of graffiti and it was um you know it was just a bunch of guys with masks and flexing and showing what kind of guns they had and talking about you know shooting their enemies and all this kind of stuff and it it made things worse for us in terms of our the public perception i mean not that that was ever super important to us but you know it took a long time i mean there's still people that that don't know the difference between um gang graffiti and um and hip-hop graffiti so it's like i think a few years ago because i I have a shop here in the uh, sort of um a port town in in los angeles called san pedro and um we do a lot of community work and try to try to skate that line between being accepted in our community and still you know maintaining a honest true uh graffiti uh, whatever the fuck the words I'm trying to come up with, uh, <laughs> you know, we're trying to, 
trying to make sure we're not, you know, going too far over, but we do a lot of community work in terms of like cleaning up, uh, cleaning up sort of dump sites and putting nice, nice graffiti style murals there to sort of have a good standing in the community, but also provide a good place for graffiti writers to come and have like black book sessions and art shows and things like that. And so I had this lady come in and she was, she was super panicked because somebody came and did some graffiti on the front of her store. And she's like, she's all freaked out saying, you know, this gang came and they, they, spray painted this i think it's a warning like you know she was really worried and then when she showed it to me (laughs) when she showed it to me i was like yeah "Yeah." and i i was like that's not a that's not a gang that's not a gang member that's just a kid that's trying to do graffiti and he just happened to spray paint on your store because as soon as i saw it you know i I knew that i knew that it, it was just some somebody in their toy phase you know that had like a can of white and they tried to do a throw up on her on the front of her store but her perception of it was that that some gang members came and marked their territory and they were they were threatening her you know so she felt a lot better after that conversation but but what i was kind of getting at is it took a long time for people to to start to um to realize that there was multiple types of graffiti that that they were seeing and not all of it was gang graffiti not just dudes with guns like going around yeah, the neighborhood exactly. saying this is i've written on this you're dead yeah like, exactly. you know i think and that's fucking terrifying another thing i'd just like to mention is is that you know where i grew up i don't think i actually saw a real gun until I'd seen it in TV and the movies and stuff i i think the first time i ever saw a real gun was actually when i left England and went to visit a part of Eastern Europe and they just had like AKs and magnums and automatic pistols and they're like oh, you can just fire this it's fine and I remember just being oh, like, I'd never fired a gun I'd never even seen a gun in real life because in the UK even the cops don't have guns yeah I've heard about that, that that's they, interesting they there is a special unit that will be called if, if there's a report someone's got a gun and they are like they will turn up with machine guns but the usual copper in the UK doesn't have a gun on them. So that's, oh, wow. people are amazed. And then I went and moved to Australia. So I live in Australia now. Even people collecting money from the cash, the ATM machines, they have guns in them. And I was like, what the hell? There's like a, a dude with like a money box with a gun. And I was like, that's a bit disturbing. And then I, <laughs> and then, and then I actually was <laughs> in, um, I went to New York at one point a couple of years ago and went through the wonderful which, LAX airport. No, oh, yeah. sh- no shout out to LAX airport. What an awful airport. No offense to LA. I don't know you're from LA, but I've been to a lot of airports yeah, yeah. in my life and that was possibly the worst airport I've ever been to. And there was just like people with, there was like soldiers with guns. And I was like, holy shit. But I think that's that's a, that's a totally different subject. Anyway, back to graffiti. Yeah. So even though there wasn't a specific, um, you know, experience, I guess what you're saying was that, you know, being a young person trying to find yourself in the world, trying to be part of a group as such, find your tribe, you know, hold your own. It almost became uh, not a nom de plume as such, but as like an, an, an alter ego to kind of deal with the potential of danger. 
I guess, is what you're saying is not that embarrassing one story, but that's kind of what happened for you. And you look back and you think, oh, maybe I didn't need to have done that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I guess it's kind of a mix because it did give you this sort of, and we've talked about this before with some, some of my associates where you sort of have this, this kind of uh, interesting invincibility feeling. I think a lot of graffiti writers probably get have that happen so like say the first time you ever go and and catch a spot on the freeway and the cars are whizzing by maybe somebody's honking at you and, and you're all panicked like oh my god I, I hope a cop doesn't drive by and then like after you've done it for a couple of years you're like fuck everybody and you're out there painting and you know even if a cop run drives by you know i'll have plenty of time to run and you kind of start to build up this this sort of callous i guess um and so I, I'm kind of thinking that maybe, you know, adopting some, some of those, uh, you know, ways of carrying yourself while they were out of character for me, maybe, maybe it was possibly something that kind of helped me navigate my way through the culture. But there's still a lot of times when I look back on just different behavior of say like the way I acted to somebody in my crew or the way that I, I said something to somebody and there's those little those little moments where you look back and, and you still feel kind of an embarrassment even though it was like 20 some years ago you know so I, I don't know if it was a good or a bad you know I just kind of I just know there was a lot of things that were definitely out of character for me but maybe it was what needed to happen yeah I yeah yeah yeah, I'm just, I'm just, as you're mentioning it, it's like hitting a real part of my psyche where I look back and I think I try not to, I try not to regret too much because, you know, there's that whole thing of the past is already gone. There's nothing you can do about it and the future hasn't happened yet. All you can do is be in the moment and try and change things. But I think what you're doing, what you've described, where you're like assisting neighbours like clean up and doing black book sessions and creating a community and trying to change that stereotypical view of graffiti so that it's not seen as like oh you know there's a throw up on my roller door and that means there's a gang here it's like no this is positive it does create community and belonging and expression and self-esteem and to be you can be an empathic validating person because I, I now think maybe it's because I've become way more empathic as I've got older but actually I think that's a mark of like a real man like someone who's able to be emotionally well and supportive of their friends and not have to just be the person to say, oh shut up shut the fuck up stop being an idiot and being that really judgmental jump down your throat because i just see that as like a bit of an old school way of being a guy you know being the tough guy all the time doesn't mean you have to be a bloody walkover it's not like people can come and just like walk all over you but you know supporting others and being empathic and validating others i think is really important maybe that's just because of the type of job i do but anyway that's another subject <laughs> Yeah, but I agree with you 100%. I mean, I think um, there's definitely a line between being a cocky asshole and just having enough confidence to where, you know, you, you're not going to let people walk all over you, but that doesn't mean you got to punch somebody in the face when they, quote, disrespect you. You can just, you know, walk away from the situation, you know? Yeah. And, and I don't that's, know. That's, working, yeah, that's, right, work, that's work in progress for me. <laughs> Definitely work in progress. <laughs> I'm a fan of punching people in the face. Yeah. Well, not necessarily. No, I don't like it, but it's, you know, I, through my job, I think people will guess what I kind of do as a job through these, but through my job, I do a lot of 
therapy stuff for people and a lot of and i've done loads of extra stuff about how the brain develops neurodevelopment the nervous system how it's you know different parts of the brain how society and your upbringing and your life influences how you feel how you move how you sleep how you relate to others how you respond to stress all this type of stuff and even though i've got that stuff in my mind i still have it with those early experiences as a child you know getting jumped getting beaten up getting you know not great experiences as a child they still jump to the surface and before you know it there'll be someone talking on the train on their phone and it's a quiet carriage and i'm like i'm clenching my teeth and i'm like how fucking dare they who do they think they are <laughs> and i'm like no you're a grown-up now don't like turn around and scream shut the fuck up shut the fuck up yeah. or it's just like no try and so that's like it's work in progress so i don't want to give the impression that i love knocking people out or trying to knock people out through punching yeah well no i mean i we just talked about this um just yesterday how how you just have to constantly any kind of change you make you know whether it's like you said not telling somebody to shut the fuck up or something like that like if that's kind of behavior that you don't want to have anymore it's a it's not something you can just decide and like say oh you know what i'm not going to have those feelings anymore i'm not going to pop up but then over time hopefully we we learn to you sound like you know more about the brain than I do, but it's uh, it's more like for me uh, when I try to adopt new behavior for myself that I feel like is heading in a more positive direction. It's it's an everyday hour by hour maintenance thing that you have to do, you know. So it's it understandable. Goes, it then goes on to the whole thing of, and I'm actually thinking that with these podcasts, I'm actually ending up talking about mental health a fair bit, and I'm thinking that's well, cool. I, maybe series two so they sort of do a number of these interviews but then maybe it's like well hang on a sec why not why don't i bring in some of this stuff about neuroscience and psychology about 90 percent of the audience who are listening to this like that nah, unsubscribed fuck that i don't want to know about the brain i just want to hear about people getting dusty fills and doing highway spots but... <laughs> well i would love to hear about it personally all right so. okay i'll just write that down you can hear me scribbling in the background yes, yes. <laughs> cool. Okay, all right. Well, okay. So, what keeps you interested in graffiti? Um, well, I mean, I've always been into art, so um, there's always been that that sort of desire to draw and, and do things like that. And um, it was a period of time. It was somewhere where I was more focused on on skating. I think it was. I think it was mainly skating that was. I was always an awful skater. I wanted so badly to be a good skater, but I spent a good like 11 years just sucking at it. And and while during that time, I, I sort of lost interest in art and it wasn't until graffiti sort of popped up. And then when I first started doing graffiti, I was doing it making fun of the kids in my neighborhood that were graffiti writers. I was like, oh, look at you guys writing on shit. So I like came up with this silly name. I think my first name was Cheese. Because I thought it was so cheesy, they were. I was like a you know stupid kid, and so I was writing, ah, look at that cheese, and but then I started realizing how much I liked it. You know, I was like, I like writing on shit. You know, <laughs> this is pretty fun, and it that got me back into art. And when I got into graffiti, it was the only kind of art I was interested in doing. Like I had no no interest in doing any other kind of art, and then. The further you get into the culture, it's this crazy complex 
it's such a complex thing. Like we have our own lingo and like, yeah. you know, clothing brands and, you know, it's this big, huge thing. And there's just something really cool about it. And it's in my early, I care about this a little less now, but like in my early years, I always thought it was just so interesting that, you know, um, if somebody's into music, like in order to get famous or well known as a musician, like you have to have this lucky big break or something. But if you if you want to get well known as a graffiti writer, you just got to go out and write on shit like a whole bunch, you know, <laughs> it was like um, I, I thought it was really interesting to where you could, you know, you could put in all this this time and, and hit the streets and trains and do all this kind of stuff. And then when you go to a yard and somebody comes up and asks you, what do you write? You say, you tell them what you write and, and they know who you are and they've seen you up. And there was something really attractive about just that whole, all of those things combined. So, I mean, um, it's kind of everything about graffiti outside of like a lot of the annoying kind of negative shit that... <clears throat> that that stuff is not strong enough to push me away but i mean everything else that that i think is so cool and interesting about the culture is is really what keeps me um as far as like doing graffiti <clears throat> I, I still do but i i am enjoying more kind of providing um opportunities for other graffiti writers and doing things like what we talked about at, at my shop with like shows and black book sessions and kind of interacting with the culture that way so that's it's all those things combined that are that are keeping me interested and you know i've taken breaks but i, I always end up coming back and <clears throat> i don't know it, it's just i think a lot of people feel that just like you know you if you step away from graffiti it's like you kind of never fully step away if you're one of those kind of people that are that are always going to come back to it. Like if you do step away, it's like always on your mind. You're driving down the street. I remember there was a period of like, I don't know, three years or something where I didn't do any graffiti at all. I had really no involvement in the culture and I was just focusing on my career. But anytime I was on the freeway, I was always scoping out spots and like looking at walls way off in the distance. Like, oh man, that would be cool. Like go hit that wall, you know, or rooftops and so i don't know it's uh doing what i do and like because i i've got a habit of like if i'm driving i'm like oh that's a spot there's a spot blah 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 and i'll like try and get a screenshot on my google maps things i'm driving down the motorway or the highway or whatever and um i'm like oh screenshot that yeah i'll remember that that's a dope spot like really sunk back far away I'm like yeah to a nice big color piece and then I'll like look at my phone, I'll forget about that a week later. And it's like, I've got so many screenshots and it's like, <laughs> I have no idea what that was. I have no idea where that was. It's a bit like I've actually, I actually started a notebook. So I'd, I'd be on the train, I was unemployed for a bit. And I just like, would just be riding all the train lines and just like writing down all these spots just after blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I've not gone done. I've not come back and done like 99% of them, but at least it keeps me interested. And, you know, I was talking yeah. to someone yesterday and he was like, I haven't done anything for months. And, you know, I've, you know, I, this is the most lax I've been since I was 15. But he's crushed it for many, many years. And I'm like, mate, you can give yourself a break. Don't worry yeah. about it. You can come back. It's like, oh, I'm not doing metros anymore. And I'm not doing this. And I'm like, dude, 
if you could look at your body of work from an outside perspective, you'd be like, you deserve a break. Yeah, I, I feel that same way about a lot of writers. When I hear stuff like that, I'm like, dude, you know, you could do nothing for the rest of your life and people would still, you know, it's like, don't worry about it. But yeah. I get it, man. It's hard to, it's hard to stay away. I mean, I, the breaks that I've taken, I've managed to completely disconnect. But then this sort of last time that I, you know, I, I sort of got back into it. I've, I, I'm not going anywhere now. This is, there's no, no more breaks. <laughs> well, you own it. You own a bloody graffiti shop. That must be. It's yeah. Like, that's the gallery. That's, and man, yeah. that's, and I have to say, shout out to you for all the stuff you're doing. I've heard um, what you're doing described on a different platform and I'm just so impressed. So shout out to you. Cause I think it's really positive and like bringing a positive slant to graffiti because that's the only way that you know street art is taking a real hold on the world as like a phenomenon and graffiti needs to be represented in a positive manner with a positive mindset and a positive way in the community because you know it's all good actually i was talking to someone from the uk and the first writer he ever remembers seeing was banksy oh no really <laughs> well yeah but that's the thing is like you know for and he's he's a you know, um, I won't go into the details of him, but, you know, it wasn't like the era where there was the Banksy books and the Banksy documentary. This was when Banksy was in a city in the UK getting up, like do like doing proper letter pieces. Oh, like, when he was doing actual. OK, yeah. yeah. And sorry. then when he was doing stencils, just like in this city on super clean walls. And like the guy I was talking to, he's like, mate, I could turn, you know, all these hardcore, I only, I only do metros. I only do fucking top to bottom burners type writers. You take them back when they're 11 years old and show them like a, a rat firing a bazooka at like, I don't know, like a police officer stencil on a really clean wall in the middle of a city, completely out of, con you know, completely out of context. And you're like, mate, they would be buzzing off that. And it's like, the thing is yeah. with Banksy is that you know, he was getting up. He was a graffiti writer. That's a lot changed. But I think, you know, Banksy has done a lot for the street art and graffiti world. But like what you're doing is actually bringing that extra bit of knowledge and understanding that, you know, street art didn't start with Banksy. It, there's decades and decades of hard work and, you know, you know, people have lost their lives. People, you know, no joke. People go to jail, like long sentences for painting. And it's yeah. like, oh, really? What, someone got three and a half years in jail for doing commuter trains and whatnot in the UK? And you're like, yeah. And they're like, what else did they do? You're like, nothing. They painted loads of trains. Like, oh, all right. Have you read the Banksy book? <laughs> it's normally the next response. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's so funny because like, I, I, I don't really know. I mean, I, I haven't really studied him very much. And I guess not being out there, I don't have enough knowledge. But I know that um, a lot of times when people come into the shop and they'll say like, so do you do graffiti? And I say, yeah, I do graffiti. And they're like, oh, like Banksy. Like everybody, no, everybody says that. So I'm like, no, no, not really. But I get, I get it. Because <laughs> no. I think the thing is, it's really easy to just be like, oh, fuck Banksy. Who does he think he is? He's not a writer, blah, 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 blah. But um, I guess it's that whole thing of, you know, he's made a, he, I can't even imagine how much they sell his um, pieces for. You know, that thing he did where it was like, the, the paper in the gallery and then it like automatically turned on and shredded half the, the yeah. piece. 
and yeah. it, and it was it was meant to shred the whole thing but it broke halfway through apparently and like shredded just half of it and you just think you know that's okay that's not graffiti as such but i think that's an interesting like mockery of the art world so you know we'll we can um we can delve a bit deeper into banksy but um the other thing i would ask is what advice would you give to new or inexperienced graffiti writers uh i mean there's kind of a lot but uh i guess back to some of the stuff that we had already discussed i would think like one thing that i would like young people to to kind of think about is that they don't have to fit any kind of mold i mean i think if you're just a total asshole maybe it'd be worthwhile to, to kind of reevaluate your shit. but if you're kind of pretending to be something that you're not and you're not comfortable with it you know i would say do do your best to try to just be yourself but at the same time um i think we've kind of covered that already but I think one of the one of the things that I would tell people is to um especially this day and age is just to be a little bit cautious especially in your early years because um, the the world that that I started writing in is is drastically different than it is now so you know it's when I started writing you know people didn't even have phone cell phones or you know we had beepers and um so you know there there wasn't nearly as much surveillance there's all this kind of stuff so what what i did when i was first like doing heavily uh illegal graffiti is i started seeing um some of my you know people that i was associated with have their houses raided and ended up doing like prison time and and so i started thinking about the type of graffiti that i did that was that was you know graffiti writers would see it but it wouldn't really be stacking up a huge um, binder and some cops you know i don't know how they track shit but you know you know how they keep track of of how much how much money and damages you've done yep. so i would say like as a young writer you know i wouldn't just go out there and just bomb anything that you want i would i would say just use a little bit of caution until you figure out what kind of writer you want to be so um if you think about if there's a wall and i don't know if it's the same in every country but i'll just say how it is in la like if there's a wall that the city has to come and paint over there's a good chance they're keeping track of that so every time you do say like a freeway sign or something there you're basically just racking up like uh, a huge dollar amount you know and they have a of course an inflated uh amount to say oh it cost us fifty thousand dollars and it's like dude i took two gallons of fucking buff and one guy you know so what i want to i want to like, work i want to start my own company that does because mate yeah. i've seen some figures where i'm like are you kidding me like i saw one where it was a whole car and you know it's a whole car commuter yeah i get that but it was said in this is in australia said it was like 65,000 Australian dollars to clean off a whole car. And you know, a, a whole car is big, like a, like a passenger commuter train whole car is big, but it does not cost $65,000. Yeah. And so when you think about that, you know, they're racking up. It, if you get on their radar and, and there's some cop that, that 
that is keeping track of you. And, and this has happened out here. There was like a specific cop that was that just had it out for this one writer, a friend of mine. And, you know, it, it ended up it, it has a possibility of ended up going very badly. So, I mean, I think there's a tendency when you first start writing to just be like, yeah, graffiti and just fucking write on everything, which is cool. I will always support that kind of behavior. I mean, that's fucking that's part of it. But, you know, I would say as a young writer, just be careful because it's like any anything in terms of, you know, that if you do it the wrong way and you do too much of it the wrong way or I can't really say right or wrong, but if you do too much of something, there's a possibility that it'll be taken away from you forever. So it's like, say you're, you know, you enjoy having a few beers. If you end up drinking a 12 pack every night, you'll, you could possibly end up becoming the kind of person that can never have another beer again for the rest of your life. So if you, you look at graffiti in the same way, you know, if you go out and, and you're just, hitting all this different kinds of stuff there's there's a definitely real possibility you're gonna you're gonna end up putting yourself in a situation that you may not be able to do graffiti anymore because you're getting in so much trouble but I mean, maybe that's the middle-aged man talking but um <laughs> i uh <laughs> term, slow and steady wins the race it's not a race i know it's not a race but it's like sure. i've seen some writers where it's just like they just do little bits, little bits, little bits, little bits. Anyone that's watched Rick and Morty will know that little bits. But, you know, little tiny bits of bits and bobs. And it's like they're there. And I, I completely agree with you. Just choosing your spots a bit more cautiously. Not just like, I'm just going to empty a whole can of white paint on just... I don't know, lamp posts or a post box or like the front mm -hmm. of a shop. You know, when you see that sometimes where someone's just gone nuts with say like etch bath or something on the front yeah. window of a store and you just think, what's that? That's going to get cleaned up so quick. That's going to get buffed or whatever so quick. And what have you really got from that? Maybe like one or two days of someone maybe noticing it. And that's, yeah. I think, wasn't it, am I correct me if I'm wrong, in some states in the US, wasn't it a felony to do etch bath on windows? Yeah, that, I, I don't know. I don't actually have any um, information, but I've been told that it's even a felony to have it. I don't know if that's true or not, but I mean, yeah, I mean, there's just so much crazy stuff that, that it's just worthwhile to just take a little bit of caution. And, and like you said, that slow and steady, I mean, the, the cool thing about graffiti is, um, you can always find spot, and I, I, I'm assuming every everywhere has something like this. But I'm just thinking about my own area. There's like we call them cuts or in the cuts or cutty spots. There were, yeah. you know, it's just sort of like these sort of back roads that you you know you make a wrong turn and you end up in this this area and there's all these like fences with barbed wire and corrugated metal and there's just throwaways everywhere and rooftops and all this shit and you're like what the fuck this is like a like a graffiti playground that i didn't even know was here you know you could find those kind of places and and i would have to imagine that there's not a whole lot of authorities that are going down to those places and like meticulously photographing everything but if you if you go on you know government or city property and and do fire extinguisher tags there's, there's a good likelihood that they're yeah. they're they're keeping track of that stuff. So 
if you want to be that kind of writer, I would never discourage anybody from doing that. But like, if you're asking, you know, as a new writer, what, what kind of advice I would say, there's, there's nothing wrong with using a little bit of caution, at least until you kind of get the lay of the land and start to understand how things work before you just start filling up fire extinguishers with ink and just fucking blasting all over the place, you know? I just, as we're on the subject, you know, we're talking about supposedly spots that are chill, you know, chill spots, bush, you know, here they call it like out in the bush where it's just like middle of nowhere sort of thing. But just to, if anyone from country, any country is listening, if you go to somewhere where you need to keep it tidy, so we're talking about freight yards, we're talking about commuter train yards, we're talking about metro, I've been, I've seen metro yards where people just have dumped cans like yeah that's ridiculous you are just even halls of fame where people just there's like a wall but then people feel like they need to just act like total dickheads like i get that you don't want to follow rules i get that but i saw i think it was jabba put out a thing on instagram where he did that it was really good and it just i i knew that quite a lot of freight spots in the u.s get treated like shit and kids will leave mm-hmm. or kids but probably grown men as well will just leave bags of cans and rubbish and like that just rinses out those spots so a bit of advice for anyone that's listening to this it's like oh maybe i'll go to a yard and just have some fun it's like yeah you know have fun live your life but just realize that you're burning spots like you're just rinsing yeah. them out and then before you know it there'll be a, another fence there and there'll be another security guard and then no one can paint there yeah exactly i mean that's definitely that's definitely a topic that that's been going around and the it's crazy we we talked about this before how when i was painting freights it was kind of like really there was i mean not that it was easy to paint but there was there was tons of, of clean cars. Like you would go and you'd see graffiti on like 10 cars down and you'd have to walk to go see what it is. But now you walk through a yard and I was, you know, last time I uh, went into one of these yards, we walked for 45 minutes trying to find, you know, Jesus. something. I don't want to get too far into that, but you know, there's, and and while we're walking through the yard, we're passing. We there was probably thirty people in the yard. Holy! Everybody, nobody's even nobody's even tripping. And we're, I was just walking behind people, and I'm like, dude, I'm walking behind you while you're painting a train, and you're not even turning around. Like, I don't like people walking behind me when I'm just at the fucking grocery store you know if i'm in a train yard i'm not gonna let somebody walk behind me you know what i mean i have heard a story and again it's always tough to know you know the graph gossip game who knows but a a writer in the uk painting a a commuter train in a yard and a another writer who i don't know i don't know how true this is but sneaking up behind him when he was painting a panel and just going boo i would have (laughs) probably yes. needed new underpants yeah i would have shit myself <laughs> to put it put it put it more frankly yeah. <laughs> yeah so i mean all these subjects you know i i find them so interesting but i guess we've got to move a bit on now so shout outs do you have anyone you'd like to shout out um i don't really like doing shout outs man i always forget i don't know people get butthurt i don't i don't I appreciate the offer, but I'm going to pass on the shout-outs. 
Fair enough. That's shout out to shout out to everybody. <laughs> that's pretty much what everyone's done. I think someone's, oh, really? you know, one person's named a specific writer, but that seems to be. I might even cut this shout outs bit out at the end because it's like everyone just goes, uh, everyone in the whole entire world. Yeah. Pretty much that has anything to ever to do with graffiti. Um, so, yeah, it's yeah, it's. Um, there's a lot of uh, butthurt feelings in the in the in the world right now. People don't like being left out. It's very strange. It is a strange <laughs> one. So thanks so much for your time. I'm just gonna yeah. end up hitting the pause button on the recording. So thanks for that. One sec. Well, that's another episode done and dusted. Some pretty interesting stories about what LA was like. Pretty fucking scary, to be honest. Someone putting a gun on the dashboard of the car at random. So subscribe, give us a five-star review, share with your mates. If you know anyone you think might be interested in being interviewed, get them to go on toydivision underscore podcast on Instagram. There is a raffle going at the moment with some secret stuff on these episodes a couple of people have picked it up but um yeah you might have an opportunity to win some stuff tune in um i was gonna say next week but i'm churning these out pretty fucking fast so you know there might be one tomorrow there might be one in a week's time who knows anyway thanks for listening see you next time peace out toy division If you want to enter the raffle, message I'm a sad bastard on the Toy Division Instagram.